Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Because We Love Finding Meaning After Loss podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Haycock. I am a certified and accredited life coach, grief coach, and certified grief educator. And I wanted to create a podcast and a platform for individuals to share their stories of not only the trauma and the loss, and it's not just the loss of loved ones through death when we think of grief, it's any kind of loss. And I wanted to create this space for individuals to share their stories, but not just the story of the trauma and the loss, but the story of how they found healing, the different modalities and tools that they use to not only live their life, but then turn around and help others do the same. I am inspired by all of my guests and I hope that you will be too. So whether you're the griever and you're trying to figure out how on earth you're going to navigate this life and navigate these losses, or you're somebody who is supporting a loved one who is grieving and you're wondering how on earth do I help them? What do I say? What do I not say? I'm going to be interviewing individuals who are going to give you some tools. I will speak to professionals who will be able to give us some insight as well. So vulnerability and authenticity is my jam. And I hope that you are going to find some or all of these episodes inspiring, useful, and authentic and real. So even though we're talking about some difficult topics, there will be some humor, there will be some laughter. I know that's hard to understand, but there is. So let's get vulnerable, people. Hey, my friends, I'm going to just jump right in to my next guest bio because really, honestly, it just says it all. Corey Logaitis is a leadership and entrepreneurial confidence coach, business consultant, and professional keynote speaker who has been featured in major media outlets such as TEDx, Girl Boss, Business Insider, Thrive Global, and The Mighty. A fourth-generation entrepreneur, Corey spent over 15 years as SVP of her family's regional distribution business, following a series of overwhelming and traumatic pivotal life events over a span of five years, including miscarriage, abuse, divorce, and suicide loss, she made the risky decision to step down from her role and go into business for herself. And after starting her company, Corey Lowe & Co. LLC, within weeks she landed paying clients. In six months, she had 40,000 followers on social media and multiple press mentions. And in less than a year, she was a TEDx speaker. Today, she helps underrepresented communities in the workforce transform their overwhelm into the extraordinary action necessary to become confident leaders and entrepreneurs. She does this through her coaching, consulting, and professional speaking offers. Corey, her husband, their four children, and two cats live 45 minutes from Midtown Manhattan and 10 minutes from the beach on Long Island, New York. Let's talk to Corey. Hi, Corey. Thank you so much for being on the Because We Love Finding Meaning After Loss podcast. I'm really excited for our conversation. 
Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. Yes. So let's jump right in. Mm -hmm. Can you just share with our listeners a little bit about your story and your loss? And we'll go on without, you know, throughout your journey and where you're at today. So tell us a little bit about your story. Sure. I'll give you what I always refer to as the Reader's Digest version. Uh, on how I ended up where I am now. So in short, I have a very expensive piece of paper that says I could draw really well. So I went to art school, had absolutely no job opportunities at all whatsoever after graduating, which really annoyed my father. So my father said, you know what, why don't you, instead of waiting tables, so typical, right? (laughs) Art school student, instead of waiting tables, why don't you come work for the family business and come do that? You start as a graphic designer, that kind of thing. So I do it figuring that it's going to be a short time thing. And then my surprise, 15 years later, I'm running the company, (laughs) right? Never, ever anticipated it. And I really love what I did. Love the work that I did. I was with my family. Things were good uh, until things in my marriage started to disintegrate. So I didn't realize it at the time. I was in an abusive marriage. It didn't really become really front and center for me until my son came into the picture. So when my son was only five months old, I made the decision to leave, um, you know, to keep him safe. So I literally ended up showing up on my parents' doorstep um, with a baby in a suitcase. And I was homeless (laughs) because I moved out and I was like, okay, where do I start from here? While I'm in the process of going through all of this, I'm still running my family's business as an SVP. So I had to move. My parents lived over two hours away from where I was working. So I ended up commuting close to four hours a day, um, which when you have a five-month-old baby at home is excruciating, absolutely excruciating. Um, I remember at one point in time, I added up the number of hours that I was paying my uh, live-in childcare to take care of my son. You know, by the time I had finally saved enough money to buy a house and have my own place. But um, the total, it added up to 20 hours a week. And I'm like, my God, I'm paying somebody a part-time salary so I could go to my full-time job. So it became very evident to me at that moment that, you know, I, I, my family's business, very male-dominated field. Not a lot of people were going through anything like I had gone through. Plus, if they did, they had support at home, unlike what I did. So there was a disconnect, even with it being my family's business in terms of, okay, well, what can we do to make things more inclusive so that the people who help run our organization can stay here, you know, keep women in leadership, more or less. And I kind of just kept pushing through it. And I didn't think that there was any other opportunity to make a change. And at that point in time, too, as a wonderful positive note, you know, like I had said, I had finally bought a house. I was trying to make things happen with work, but the one thing that life was good was I finally met somebody. So I met a guy, he was amazing. Um, He had two kids that were very close in age to my son. They were best friends. Uh, We were together over a year. And one day he stopped, he didn't pick up my messages. I knew something was wrong. And sure enough, I got to his apartment and I was the one to discover that he took his life. So in that moment, That moment changed everything for me. And I swear everything I shared before is gonna kind of play into what I'm about to share is because that moment really made me sit and realize like, and I I remember too, sitting on his 
lawn of his apartment waiting for detectives to arrive because they have to rule you out as a suspect if you're the one to call it in. And I remember thinking to myself, like, Corey, what are you doing with your life? Everything you thought this morning was what your life was. It isn't. Now, everything that you had envisioned in the next five years with him and everything else you're doing, it's gone. Uh, what are you going to do with yourself? Yeah. You know, so like now you're on this trajectory of life and in a split second, split second, gone, split second, gone. Um, and ultimately while it was difficult, I knew that was kind of intuitively knew that was the wake up call I really needed because almost immediately after his loss, I started making some major life changes. The first one was I, I, you know, put my notice in and stepped down from my family's business. That was one of the hardest things I've ever done, but I started my own business at that point. And, um, then, you know, I kept taking what I refer to as extraordinary action. Um, you know, regardless of what I was going through with everything, I was going to make this business a success. I was going to do what I had to do. I was going to put the action in. And as a result, within the first couple of weeks, I had paying clients within six months, I had an audience of over 40,000 people online, as well as press mentions. And within the first year, I was a TEDx speaker. The other part that I don't often get to talk about (laughs) when I come on podcasts, which is a really kind of, um, it's, I'm actually really happy to be able to share this at this point. The other thing that taking action allowed me to do, and it really, and and hopefully we get to talk about this too, and talking about grief, you know, and really having to do the work and working through that. um, I managed to be able to take care of myself and work with the therapist and do everything that I needed to do that. I ultimately ended up meeting my husband six months later. So it's crazy craziness. Uh, but yeah, now I'm remarried. I went from literally being a single mom of one to a married mom of four in a year. (laughs) During the pandemic, don't do anything halfway. Just no, like when I get going, I get going. Um, but I'm so glad that I did. And now I'm grateful because I get to speak to others on taking the same action, regardless of whatever their circumstances are. Yeah, because and you do that have literally lived that. So you've really done it. <laughs> so when I mean it's it's you know so many changes and yet you get hit, get back up, that resilience mm-hmm. and go what do I need to do now? I mean, I totally totally resonate with this. Like look around, what do I need to do now and grab hold of whatever it is. So when you're going through the grief process, obviously this, this incredible loss, you said you had a therapist. Is there anything else that you did besides obviously massive action Mm -hmm. and making those changes? Is there any other modalities that you use that might be helpful Mm -hmm. for the listeners? Yes, of course. Um, This actually plays a very large part in it. Um, So, I mean, in addition to therapy, self-care became very important and I didn't, understand it at the time as it being a strategy, you know, and it being something that you really need to do, because as you can tell, I'm like a go, 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 go kind of person. So not being able to go, go, go was really hard on my ego. Like I didn't understand how to stop. It just did not compute. So really, and for me, what it ended up looking like was literally creating space in my calendar 
to make sure that I was doing nothing because what I learned through therapy for me, and I don't know, other people might experience this as well. Our journeys are all unique, but instead of doing the emotional work, I would work. I was a workaholic. So I would work and do things in order to be able to avoid what it was that I was experiencing, what my emotions were, what my feelings were. And I'm very thankful that I had my therapist to be able to point out to me when I was doing that. Uh, but making the conscious and concerted effort to create that space and make sure that I was doing things that brought me joy and kind of filled my cup. So I love going to the beach, for example. I love taking baths. I love going hikes in nature. I was one with nature for like the six months after everything happens. Uh, spending time with my son, like a lot of extra time with him. Um, those are all things that I made sure I was creating that space. I'd say another one that I found to be tremendously helpful, and this was one that I fought, was journaling. I did yeah, not want yeah. to journal. Uh, and I think in big part for me, not wanting to journal was because, because of the level of trauma I had gone through, even before the suicide loss with the abuse in my marriage, I was afraid that if I wrote it down, that it would live on forever. Mm. Not understanding that when you do write it down, it's your, you can release it at that point. So I did a lot of journaling during my divorce, but then when the suicide loss hit, I took it to like a whole other level because my journals became my kind of like my pathway to speak to my partner. Um, I had a whole journal that was completely dedicated to him, that it was just me speaking to him like he was here. Mm -hmm. um, me asking him for guidance, me getting out, you know, the, the five stages of grief, you know, when I was in the angry phase, being able to yell at him through paper. Um, and that I found to be tremendously helpful and meditation as well. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Those are, there's so, there's so much to unpack, but the thing that I find amazing with individuals who go through extreme loss and we're not always talking loss of loved ones through death right i mean there's mm -hmm. all these losses you have this abusive rich went through a divorce then you you know then you have this loss of a dream that you thought you had mm -hmm. but even in the modalities that you're using you're still taking massive action, even if it's massive action to create that space, like it, you had to take that action in mm -hmm. order to do that. And that is, I think, such a great lesson for people. I remember my therapist, because I'm so much like you, my, my therapist <laughs> is like, Lisa, because I thought I just have to sit in it sit in all of it, feel it all work mm -hmm. my way through all of it. Just like Lisa, it is okay to rest and recover. Yeah. It's okay not to sit in it all the time and mm -hmm. work through everything and feel everything to where you're so like in it all the time. So I love that you go out into nature and you meditate and you journal and you do all those things and express it. Like it's getting it out of you, isn't it? Instead of sitting in mm -hmm. there. Well, and I think too, that there are ways to, to sit in it where you aren't just being passive. You know what I mean? Because then if you're doing things, which I mean, going for a hike, it's a physical action, but at the same time, you're not passively consuming TV. You're not passively, you know, taking on people's conversations. You're in silence. You're by yourself. You're with your thoughts. You have 
the ability to have the space to be able to unpack your thoughts and how you're feeling. Without that space built into your life, it's very, very difficult to be able to process what you're even going through. So I think it does require a certain amount of action in that instance. A hundred percent. Absolutely. So then you, so you, then you're in therapy, you're hiking, you're in nature, going to the beach, you're meditating, you're writing this journal. Got a three-year-old strapped to my back while I'm doing yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you have a small child and yep. then bam, somebody shows up in your life six months later. Oh my God. Yeah. It's actually, it's a really funny story. If you got time Go for, for it. it, do it. Yeah. Um, tell it. So after, um, it, it was actually new year's Eve of 2018, you know, I just had this awful year. I lost my partner. Things are terrible. And I was like, oh, this is the worst. You know, I did my journaling, um, to my partner and I was like, 2019 is going to be different. I'm deciding right here. It's going to be different. Uh, I don't know how, I don't know what that's going to look like just yet, but I'm going to set the intention that tomorrow it's going to be different. So the next day I wake up and I'm like, okay, well, I'm never going to meet somebody because I knew that was a priority for me. Like with my son, I wanted him to have a family. I wanted him to have, you know, brothers and siblings. So I knew that wasn't going to happen unless I put myself out there. So I said, okay, well, let me sign up for a dating app, but I don't want to do all these other ones that I did to meet my other partner, you know, a little too traumatic to raw at the moment. So let me sign up for this other one that I'd never been on. It was eHarmony. After completing all the survey, I get a match, you know, that they think that I would be a good fit with. And I'm looking, I'm like, oh, he's cute. You know, he's got two kids. There are a lot of different similarities between him and the partner I just lost. So I think, okay, I'm going to send him a little winky face. So I send him the winky face and he responds back and he says, nice to meet you. Why does your profile have any pictures? And my profile was so new, (laughs) none of the pictures were approved yet. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, this guy is nuts if he responds to somebody who doesn't have a picture. So he actually responds and sends me his phone number. And sure enough, we ended up going up. I'm sorry, let me take a step back. So when he sent me his phone number, it was with the intention he wanted me to send my picture, you know, whichever one it was that was going to be approved. And let's just say he's glad that he did because we went on our first date the following day and just like hit it off. And now every single day we joke, like, we're so glad you took the the chance on the pictureless profile. Yeah. Cause that was quite <laughs> brave on his part. No doubt. He's yeah. like, who knows? You know, we've all watched catfish on MTV. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny about it though. He had a very similar year, not with a loss in the same way, but it was one of those things that like, he was like, oh, you know, 2018 sucked and I want 2019 to be different. So that difference needs to start with me. And coincidentally, he decided well, I normally wouldn't respond to this pictureless profile, but yeah, F it. <laughs> it's going to be today. I'm going to do it. <laughs> what could go wrong? About what could, what go, could wrong? go right? You might get married and have another kid. And exactly. Go from one to four in a year. But <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It is always amazing how these coincidences, quote unquote, mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. Wow. And so then you obviously you get married you've got this blended wonderful family and then this business that I'll back up a little bit because the business that you started and you said oh I've got 40,000 followers like I'm what is is this the same business that you do now it is okay Mm -hmm. and what is what is it that you were like 
I'm going to just kind of do this business. What is this business? <laughs> sure. So I'm nowadays I'm more of a professional keynote speaker, but back when I first started, I was really doing coaching. Um, started off in personal development coaching. I ended up doing a lot of business coaching just because of my background, you know, working for my family's business. During the pandemic, I was specifically helping a lot of folks that were laid off due to the pandemic, help them start their own businesses because they didn't want to go back into the workforce. But nowadays I'm doing primarily entrepreneurial and leadership confidence coaching, as well as keynote speaking and workshop facilitation. Great. And you... Mm -hmm. And you also were on TEDx. I was. Yes. Okay. <laughs> what is it that you spoke about? Sure. I spoke about a concept I call the overwhelm culprits. And it was something I discovered during the divorce. And I utilized them to actually help with that taking action part of, you know, um, grieving the suicide loss. They're really easy to remember. They all begin with a C. And when you can correctly identify yours and kind of bring it into balance, that's what actually helps you keep taking action. Because it's usually one of five things that are keeping you um, overwhelmed. First one is clarity. So if you have lack of clarity on what it is that you're doing, you're going to stay stuck no matter what. The uh, second one is confidence, uh, because ultimately we, we are all responsible for our own confidence. Women in particular, you know, we tend to want to wait until we have another certification or this or that, and we put off big decisions because we're not confident that we can do it. Being able to address that head on helps. Uh, the third one is your community. So this one is especially relevant if you're grieving. So when um, you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. So if for me in my instance, no one in my circle had experienced a suicide loss in their life. And it's a very complicated type of grief. And so one of the first things that I did was I went and I found a suicide loss support group that it was all other, you know, people who had gone through that kind of a loss. So it's very, very important to be surrounded by people who are either going through what you're currently going through or are already where you want to go, you know, future vision. Yes. Yes. To give you um, hope as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So community mm -hmm. is a big one. Um, the fourth one is conditioning, which is basically your self-care. How are you taking care of your mental and physical health? So creating those actions for that space there. And then the last one is, um, consistency, you know, being consistent in your habits and actions to be able to, you know, ultimately get the results that you're looking for. Yeah. And that's what the Ted talk was about. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. You know, it's interesting when you were talking about obviously these C's and you were talking about community and that you weren't around, you know, your friends had not experienced, friends, family mm -hmm. haven't experienced the loss through suicide. And mm -hmm. in is did you find that there was kind of a stigma around, you know, it's like I've talked to somebody who lost a brother to overdose mm -hmm. and overdose and suicide, that there's a stigma as well. Did you find that as well in your, you know, after you lost your partner? Actually, honestly, no, mm. not so much. I think the one thing that was helpful was his family didn't really shy away from it. Um, he did have a history of drug use uh, in the past and had relapsed apparently, and we weren't aware of it. Um, but with that said, no, if anything, I found people were in general very supportive, but if anything, it was more that they didn't have an understanding about right. the mental health aspects that lead to something like that which ultimately became a 
kind of a leadership opportunity in a way for me, because by learning about it and making it a priority for me to really, you know, figure out how to proactively manage that experience, everybody around me learned through watching me do it. Yeah. So everybody in my own circle, even if they hadn't experienced something like that, they understand now how to support other people based on how I articulated to them. I needed to be supported. Yeah. Wonderful. I mean, that's another example of taking the bull by the horns, so to speak, and (laughs) knowledge is power and then sharing and helping others in your, even in your moment of grief. And I find that that is what is so incredibly powerful um, and what you've done and what you continue to do. So I'm, you know, I'm grateful that you share your story of loss, but you're rebuilding the transforming and then offering this hope that you know, if I can get through this and if I can work through these things and here's how I did it and here's where I am today. (laughs) So I will in the show notes, um, put all of your details, but why don't you tell us how can people find you if they want, they're like, I need (laughs) to talk to Corey. How do they get, please, please connect with me. I love connecting with folks. Um, best place to find me, you can find me on every single social media platform. I have the same handle. So we're talking Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn. Uh, it's I am Corey Lowe, C-O-R-R-I-E-L-O. And my website is CoreyLowe.com. That's great. That's nice and easy. Perfect. So easy. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, thank you so much for spending time with us and sharing your life and really the power, the power of transformation and the power of action. I love it. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much, Corey. Mm-hmm.